Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm Brian Wayne, and this is episode 32 and a half. Uh, essentially, this is just War of the Realms talk because of all of the tie-ins that came in this week. So, few, uh, just like all the other disclosures, I cuss a lot, and it's all spoilers. So, if you're not into that stuff, put your drink down. If you are, fill it up. Let's talk comic books. Just a little bit of news, actually, within the last, I don't know, 12 hours between recording. My local comic book store... Uh, it got broken into. And some may say, well, no one gives a shit about local news. This isn't just any local comic book store. This is the world's largest comic book store. So you can imagine the inventory that was taken. So from one nerd to another, we know we don't appreciate that shit. Use the internet. Find out what you can as far as the books that were stolen. They're all high-grade stuff. Every single one of the books was, I mean, I think the lowest cost of any of the books on there. And I think there's 25 books or so that were stolen. The lowest one was like 800 bucks, and they range up to 15 grand, I believe. I could be off. Go find out yourself. Just go to the Mile High website, Facebook, wherever you do that shit. It's all over the place. So that's a fucking bummer. But now we're going to talk about War of the Realms. And, you know... There was, just like I had predicted, nine, nine fucking tie-ins this week. Some better than others. I'm okay with that. Can't, they can't all be winners. I actually went into reading. I didn't expect much out of any of these. You know, I had decent hopes for Punisher, just because of how good it was the first time I read it. But we'll talk more about that later. Let's start out with Strike Force, Land of the Giants. All right. Tom Taylor, Jorge Molina, Adriano de Benedetto, and David Curiel doing the colors. Cover by Jorge Molina. I went into this with the lowest of expectations. The strike forces have been put together for quite some time now. And really, we, we know what's happening. We know what Captain America Strike Force team was set out to do, and if you've been following this event at all, you don't even have to be reading any of the tie-ins to know. You could have just read the the last issue of War of the Realms, issue number four, to know that Thor's back. So, Strike Force Land of the Giants mission accomplished, right? What could we possibly fucking want to read this book for? That's the idea I went in with. Well, I'll tell you, we get a lot of questions answered here, and it's not. So we finally know why Spider-Man, how everyone got their Asgardian shields. Spider-Man gets a shield and an axe, and then we find out that's not just any axe. That was Thor's axe as a baby. Not a child, a baby. <laughs> Keep in mind, Tom Taylor, 
Tom Taylor. Yes, Tom Taylor is writing this book, and when that happens, you're, it's, it's going to be good. And I will say that every single one of these panels in here and every single page is worth taking your time and really appreciating. Because this is, as far as memorable and quotable lines go, requotable lines, this is Big Lebowski status. You know, in that movie, every single line, you just mention it, and you know it came from the Big Lebowski. This, read this book twice, and you'll have those same moments. We get Spider-Man on a fucking horse with, a, not just a horse, a Pegasus with Captain America. If that's, come on, come on. That's great. That's so good. And essentially, it's the forming of the team from the beginning. Spider or Captain America coming into Brooklyn, picks up Spidey. I'm forming a team. Here's next. Here's a shield. Why would I want a shield? Oh, wait. Sorry, Cap. No offense. Uh, shields could be useful. You see where this is going here? Remember, Wolverine, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage are also on this team. Now, they all got their own Pegasus. Spidey names his Buttercup, because what the fuck else do you name a Pegasus, right? They go into battle. All the Pegasus die, because, you know, it's... They're in Jotunheim fighting giants, and giants ain't afraid of no horses. All of them die, except for Buttercup, but as Buttercup is mourning the the fallen uh, Pegasus, Pegasi? Starts talking. Spider-Man says, whoa, I didn't know you could talk. Well, this ain't no regular Pegasus. This is Queen Arctros. Arctorius. Arctorius. God, that's a mouthful to say. Queen Arctorius. She starts talking, says, No, my name is not Buttercup, but I kind of liked it, Spider-Man. Why don't you go off and get Thor like you're supposed to do? I'm going to sit here and remain um, with my, my fallen fellows. Bye-bye. They go off. They get Thor, as we know, and as they're on their way out, Queen Arctorius comes in again to make sure that they are able to escape peacefully. She dies too, though. Fucking might as and everyone, all, all of her other winged horse friends are dead. So what else is there? You know, make sure the the fate of the world prevails, and we know that we need Thor to make that happen. So it really is a beautiful book. Uh, I I don't do it any justice as far as coming across, uh, delivering any of the the beautifulness that this is. I probably more focused on the the comedic factor of it all, but that's that's just a part of what Tom Taylor can do. Is uh, he's so good, and we also you know we see uh, Thor coming out of berserker mode. I know a lot of people were wondering how the fuck that was able to happen. You know how uh, that was part of the reason why Cap and crew couldn't get him back to begin with, and then in issue four he's just back, and people are going, well, how how? Well, there you go. Keep in mind, if it, this book. It, just like a lot of these tie-ins are not in order. You know, just as they're released, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the reading order. This issue takes place after the events of issue number two of War of the Realms. So, it's jumpy for sure. But still, very, very enjoyable. As a matter of fact, I will be as so bold as to say, just like the last Strike Force book, The War Avengers, I said it was my favorite tie-in of the entire event so far. This book... Land of the Giants is now my favorite tie-in of the entire event so far. So maybe it was because I had low expectations going in and it surpassed it. I don't know. But I, I also d didn't realize that Tom Taylor was writing it either. So And then the artistic crew was fucking beautiful. Um, go out and read the book. 
War of the Realms, The Punisher, number two. Jerry Duggan. Um, Marcello Ferreria, Robert Poggi, and Rachel Rosenberg doing the cover, colors. Did it again. And Juan Ferreira doing the cover. So as we know, the Punisher, he has all of these inmates or prisoners that he recruited. And they're still all shackled and chained up. And their job is to get this uh, Dr. Baldwin's patients through this tunnel to a safe house. Well, this tunnel ain't no fucking joke. And they come across and it's fighting trolls and <clears throat> Punisher being Punisher. And we actually get a super fucking Punisher moment for a second where he's standing on top of this troll. He gouges out his eyes and he's saying, I'm gonna, I want to hear you scream, and hoping that your screams echo through the tunnels and bring on all of your other troll friends so I could fuck them up too. Essentially is what he's doing. It's fucking brutal, man. It really is. And the art complements the brutality of it all very well. It's a very violent comic. And just like Punisher hopes, all these other trolls come through. And as Punisher and all these inmates are trying to take on these trolls, one of the inmates turns on Frankie, hits him in the fucking face, knocks him out, and bum, bum, bum. What's going to happen? Uh, that Punisher, that uh, Ferranti is the name of the inmate. So I'm, I, I'm thinking he's some some gangster or something, I don't know. Uh, Frankie knows him by name, so you know that there's some sort of... Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this title. It's uh, super unnecessary, I don't know, but very enjoyable. Let's move on to As Guardians of the Galaxy. Ongoing, number nine, Colin Bunn, Paolo Villanelli, and Federico Bli. Cover by Gerardo Sandoval. And Antonio Fabella. So, you can imagine how tough it would be to tell an Asgardians of the Galaxy story right now on account of all the Asgardians are fucking dead. Well, there's a little bit of a twist to this. Not all of them. Brunhild, Valkyrie, she's dead, but there's there's something more to her character. Uh, Annabelle Riggs is the uh, an entity inside of her, if you will. Uh, just a quick backstory, Annabelle Riggs saved Brunhild's life way back in the day in order to repay her. She made sure that she would live on forever, and the two are pretty much one. But when Valkyrie dies, what happens to Annabelle Riggs? This story explains it. She goes to the, some sort of astral plane, I guess, and it's up to... Uh, who goes after her? Oh, it's Clea! Clea being um, Doctor Strange's ex-wife, and yeah, so she she shows up and offers Ren, who's this human, this human chick who has a uh, relationship with Annabelle. So that's that's the motivation there. And Ren learns that Valkyrie's dead, just assuming that Annabelle is also dead. In Marvel's greatest fashion of convenience, uh, Clea shows up, says, I'm going to help you, bitch. I need your connection in order to find uh, Annabelle, so let's do this. They go to this astral plane and eventually track her down and take her back to Avengers Mountain. So that's what's going on there. I, 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 want, I would have to guess, as far as the timeline of events goes, this takes place after... The events of issue number four of War of the Realm. So this is probably in the current timeline of things. Probably not a, not out of any order at this point, at least. I enjoyed it very much. I, I really did. I didn't. I 
they they found something to create out of a story that really shouldn't have been there. So, kudos to that. Uh, Venom. Venom ongoing. Number 14, Legacy 179, Colin Bunn again. Ivan Coelho and Andres Mosa. Covered by Kyle Holtz. Kyle Holtz. Dan Brown. So, I found... <laughs> Throughout this whole story, we, we know that uh, all of these uh, continents and entities are taken over by other, by other worlds and realms granted by Malekith. And we know that Roxxon is in charge of Antarctica. Well, throughout any of this, you haven't seen anybody going after Roxxon at all. Venom is what's going after Roxxon right now. He's not, not necessarily in Antarctica, but still... The fact is, he's trying to take down Roxxon. Who read the last issue, you know that uh, Eddie now has uh, a Venom symbiote again with a little bit of Asgardian flavors and spices thanks to this devious bitch of a witch and a wish stone. And at the end of that same last issue, Jack-O-Lantern, I was mistaken when I said Green Goblin or Hobgoblin, whatever I said was wrong in the last podcast when I explained that issue. It was Jack-O-Lantern. Now, he's got a Wish of Stone. Wish Stone. And he's got Wish Stone powers and Jack-O-Lantern and evil and... Yeah, you, you could see where this issue is going, and that's exactly what it is. It's Eddie versus Jack-O-Lantern. And the whole... I think what they're really trying to drive home with this issue is that it is anger that drives this suit and it's not gonna stop working if Eddie can't stay angry kind of kind of like a Hulk situation but with magic so um, yeah we get Jack Lantern releases these pretty fucking dope hellhounds and uh, oh and we, <laughs> we do get this funny moment where Jack uh, Jack Lantern's releasing this fire and Venom well you know if anybody knows anything about Venom no fire bad and Jack Lantern even comments, he's like, you have the power to will this thing to do whatever you want, and you still made it fearful of fire? What the fuck are you doing? Well, that actually drives it a little bit more. He realizes, like, oh, maybe I should fight through this. And he does. And, oh, angrier. Now I'm angrier. The fire's making me angrier. Now I'm just bigger. And now I'm fucking you up even more. And, yeah. And then it ends with Venom going into a berserk mode. So, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, while jack-o'-lanterns still flying around town burning the city like an episode of Game of Thrones. It's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> it's the, the, I'm finding that the ongoing tie-ins are probably a lot more useful than the tie-ins developed just for the story, but it is what it is. It's all, it's all about making money, right? It's a business. Fucking, some people's gonna like it. It just so happens that I'm some people with a lot of these comics, so... Good job, Marvel. Avengers, number 19, Legacy 719, Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, Mark Morales, Justin Ponser, rest your soul, and Eric Arcianega. So, finally, we get an Avengers book with some Avengers in it. It's not Squadron Supreme or anything like that. What's essentially going on here is... Uh, uh, Ursa Major is being recruited, but and it's following this very, very oddball, oddball character, Gorilla Man. Ever heard of him? Probably not. 
So Gorilla Man, he's working with the Avengers. He's a bad guy trying to be good. And in order to prove that to the Avengers, he's trying to get Ursa Major from the Winter Guard. You know, those the, the Russian Avengers that aren't so friendly. Well, Ursa Major has it in his head that Red Widow, the leader, the current leader of the Winter Guard, may not be so happy with old Ursa Major. So he's possibly on the fence gonna help out he never really says but odds are he probably will so the really the whole couple of pages is the first couple of pages is you get no real answer but they just they they really hint at it and then just as we're not getting any answers kazar <laughs> really throwing everybody into this comes flying through in this magic car and tells tells uh old gorilla man who is also an agent of wakanda so that's actually more than anything that's what this this book is following is the agent of wakanda and he says look you're 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 needed bp needs you come back to avengers mountain let's take care of shit and we get that scene bp is explaining to gorilla man i would like to trust you and you're in charge of security for avengers mountain now while we go out and do shit and Avengers Mountain gets attacked by a bunch of dark elves. And this is Gorilla Man's chance to prove himself. And really, it's just a story to show that a character that nobody heard of prevails, comes through, impresses, flexes. And yeah, that's, it was a cool story. It's, it's hard to say. But it also reintroduces Dracula into the situation. And Dracula's been an ongoing part of the Avengers story for quite some time in this Jason Aaron run and you know that Sarge remember uh Colonel Shadow Colonel who is now dead his big giant devil dog well he wasn't taken away he was taken into custody and after all of this we realize that Gorilla Man who seemingly was a good guy really was under the influence of Dracula the whole fucking time so all of that, I want to help humanity and be good, and this is for the good of mankind. And he, the, the struggle in his head the whole time was he was faking it, and he, you could tell that he really does want to be good. But it's Dracula, you know. Yeah. Do you say no to Dracula? So yeah, I don't know. It's I, I enjoyed it very much, very very much. I there hasn't been an Avengers story out of the nineteen in this run so far that. It, has disappointed me so oh is it believe it or not i was actually hoping for more squadron supreme but what are you gonna do moon girl and devil dinosaur number 43 um monteclair height duarte and bonvillain this book takes place in the war of the realms timeline after issue number 11 of Thor. So it actually takes place pre-issue number 1 of War of the Realms. It's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur talking with Thor. So you know that it's pre-whatever. This is not... I, I, I highly, highly, highly doubt that this takes place after issue number 4 when Thor's back. Because this just is completely out of context. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a uh, really just trying to make Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur relevant, and what it really is is it's trying to get somebody who's been following this entire series, who's never read a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur comic before, to buy one, 
you win. You got me. I was actually I was actually excited to try to read something new for the first time. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I like the fact you know she is Marvel's smartest character in the entire universe. Well, you would think there'd be some. Now, unfortunately, the, the the art style it's it doesn't draw me. It's not bad. It's just drawn out like old Disney type of thing. It's uh, I, I don't know. It suits the story just fine. It's just not my steez. Kind of just I got the same feelings towards Squirrel Girl. You see where I'm going? But uh, yeah, it's uh did not need to happen. Did not need to tie in is the point. New Agents of Atlas number two. Pack, Liam, and Blee. I stand by my word when I said I'm not reading this. I, I thought I would care more. I thought I would be interested at this point in time to at least open it up and see what's on the inside. I just, I really don't care. I got my Greg Pack this week. I got my Greg Pack redemption this week out of Jabba the Hutt. I don't, I don't need the roller coaster. Uh, I'll, I'll find out. I'll, I'll realize through the other tie-ins if this this book is important or not. Right now, I'm just not into the whole uh, Asian-only thing. And if you're not Asian, you're not included. Sorry, it's not my book. Uncanny X-Men, number two. Legacy 636, Matthew Rosenberg, Pere Perez, and Rachel Rosenberg. Uh, my first impression after reading this book through the first time was uh, confusion. Super confused. I know that the teams were split up, but there was just something about the way the settings were drawn out that didn't really differentiate the teams. I didn't know who was talking with who when. And essentially, the teams are split up, they, and they come back together, and Sabretooth is relevant, and Sabretooth is fucking shit up. Sabretooth captures magic and Wolfbane... Because she's still alive now in this timeline, because this all takes place um, now, before what the actual ongoing is. That's why the legacy numbering came out so weird, it's still weird, because it's trying to show that it's not progressing through the actual Uncanny X-Men ongoing story. It's very strange. Uh, not my favorite, Not my favorite book, but it's got Sabretooth in it, and Sabretooth is as brutal and as violent as he always is. I, I I do dig that part. I was just confused for the most part. I did read it the second team and was able to decipher, but I'm not going to make your ears bleed with all that because as it really turns out, it's all irrelevant because they all come together. Uh, uh, Cyclops does this really cool thing where, because, you know, he's only got one eye now. I will say one thing where he, like, shoots someone from a distance with a telescope. So he's like a sniper or something? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm trying to find something great about it besides Cyclops, or besides Sabretooth. I did, I, I think I did actually say, wow, like Keanu Reeves when I saw that, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, Journey into Mystery, number three, Legacy, 658. <laughs> Another semi-pointless tie-in up until this point. They're not really... Well, they're kind of progressing it. I don't understand what the... I'm sure the outcome will will make it all tie together. It was a very interesting book. It was entertaining to read. The The cover is very deceiving because you're looking at it and you're thinking, is that Moon Knight? Moon Knight hasn't been brought into this War of the Realm story yet. Why does he look like a ghost? And why is he riding a horse? Well, the answer to that question is, is that Marvel blatantly just fucking stole the Phantom Rider. Name and all. <laughs> and put him in this story. What does this have to do? 
So the the team they're still on the run from Ares, who is under the the, the power of the Cinder, the Queen of Ashes, who's busy with the new agents of Atlas as well. She's a busy bitch, and she she's sending Ares despite his his willingness to do so after them because she wants this baby, baby Lassa. Baby Lassa is a god baby. She's Freya's baby, Odin's baby, is a sister. You get what's going on here. The the team is Kate Bishop and Miles Morales and Balder, and essentially, really, the best part of this entire thing is Thori, the Thori's do- or Thor's dog. Every line that Thori delivers, d- delivers, Jesus, delivers is fucking. <laughs> it makes me giggle. I, I love it. I, I really do. It is the best part of the story. It makes me continue to want to turn the pages, hoping that Thor is just in the next panel. But they're away from the scrolls now, onward, without really knowing exactly where they're going at this point, because every time they think that they're in a safe spot, surprise, it's not so safe. They roll up into this ghost town, thinking that that's the safe place to do, and hence the Phantom Rider and a bunch of other supposedly old famous cowboys for I just don't think they could have used names like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood they're just trying to give us the I'm pretty sure they're just trying to give their reader the idea of that's who these guys are without it's 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 a fun book of nostalgia and really what it comes down to the the, the big takeaway from it all is this baby Lasso keeps especially by Thor keeps being referred to as a demon and everyone was like, no, he's so fucking cute. She, She's so fucking cute. Well, the baby's a devil. On account of the fucking horns at the end. <laughs> that right there, I dig the fuck out of that. Turn the baby into Satan as it being a god baby. That's a twist. That's a twist for that ass. That's a bunch of goddamn War of the Realms books, huh? That's a bunch of War of the Realms books. Uh, you know, I, I would say out of the nine books... I would recommend five of them, skip two of them, and two of them are just kind of not necessarily my cup of tea. But, yeah, well, that's... Sorry that it, I had to split it up this week, guys, but I didn't... I, I think that this, this week had enough on its own to talk about and worthy of its own War of the Realms thing. Hopefully this isn't a regular thing. I'm pretty sure there's only four or five next week, so should all be in one groupy thing. Keep in mind that the uh, episode 33 could potentially be late on account of Denver Pop Culture Con, I think is what it's called now. Because uh, I'll be going to that, rocking a media pass, trying to get all of the content and shit that I could provide for you guys. So, in the meantime, y'all enjoy what's left of the holiday weekend and the week ahead, and uh, read responsibly, fuckers. Cheers.